most gracious God, we give you great thanks for the amazing words of, of truth and hope which are placed before us this day. And my prayer at this time is that ultimately not my words, but that your living word would go forth and that it would indeed take root in the hearts uh, and the minds, the spirits, the wills uh, of all who hear these words that your living word uh, might bring to us the truth, uh, the certainty, uh, the life, the salvation which is found in you. All this I ask, all this I offer in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to reflect with me this morning on this amazing portion of Paul's letter to the Romans. It's one which might be um, very familiar to you, and in many ways one of the high watermarks uh, in the scriptures, and certainly a high watermark in Paul's letter to the Romans. And, and there's, there's so much um, going on here, uh, good news uh, that is uh, just difficult to begin to mind the, the, the depths, uh, not only the depths of the good news, but its significance in yours and my life as well. And it, we have human weakness uh, moves from human weakness to divine response. Uh, futility moves to meaning. Uh, insecurity moves to security. We move from hopelessness um, to hope, from um, uncertainty um, to certainty. Uh, but we begin we begin with, um, well, an incredibly true place, but it's a place that we don't like to dwell, but it begins with our weakness um, and inability. Uh, it begins with our weakness and our um, inability, and uh, as I say, I mean, uh, we, all, um, we all fight the revelation of that. I mean, granted, in, in Christian circles, we do a decent job of faking it, um, you know. Uh, uh, I know that God's grace is, uh, is made perfect in my weakness, and we selectively um, share weaknesses that, that are respectable, but, but human pride besets all of us, um, and we're challenged to begin with this uh, place of our um, inability um, and our weakness, but also we, we, we begin uh, midstream. We, we hear likewise the Spirit helps us um, in our weakness, um, thanks be to God. But I want to back up just a little bit uh, because it begins, um, Paul talks about um, suffering, and he talks about glory um, but he also talks about futility, uh, what is often the futility of, of the human experience. And I was going to ask you if you can relate, but I, uh, I'm assuming we're all going to respond in the affirmative. Um, we all uh, wrestle with uh, futility uh, in this life. Does, does what I do matter? Have I done anything of, uh, of worth? Uh, is, is anything that I've done um, have meaning for other people, meaning for myself, meaning beyond um, just the moment. Uh, have, I, have I done enough? Should I have done more? What should I have done in this situation? Did I handle this um, correctly? The, the futility and the challenge uh, of the human experience is something that we know, and, and the frustration of it. And, and Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revelation uh, for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, um, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know 
that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who had the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. That what, that's what comes right before, and then we begin with that. Likewise, the Spirit helps us um, in um, our weakness. And I pray that as we reflect on this this morning, that you will hear um, the word which speaks to um, our human condition, words of hope um, that speak to the human condition, but also very specifically words of hope that speak to you um, in whatever um, frustrations and futility and um, bondage uh, in which you find yourself. Um, the word comes to you and to me uh, that God is not distant or indifferent, but that God proactively seeks us uh, in his grace, in his divine activity. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in um, our weakness. When we don't know what to pray, when we don't know what to say, we are told that the Spirit intercedes, intercedes for us with groans and sighs um, too deep for words, moves in ways which are beyond yours and my ability um, to comprehend or wrap our arms around. Such is the activity and the grace of God moving in his creation uh, that you and I might be ultimately people who are delivered, that we might be people who are secure. Uh, a, a case in point, and I have, as you might imagine, many of these in my life, but one of the things, um, at least uh, when, when I went to seminary, your first summer was spent as a hospital chaplain, uh, and uh, in some ways, um, after one year of seminary, I, 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 I might argue that we're worse um, rather than better after one year of seminary, and so after the first year, they you work that summer as a hospital chaplain, and you're assigned um, to a particular ward, and I, I think it's probably the common experience um, where I did my CPE, clinical pastoral education. Uh, one day a week, you were the chaplain on call, and, and you stayed overnight in the hospital, and as you might imagine, being the chaplain on call, you, you, had, um, you had no idea what would happen, if anything would happen, and, uh, and certainly we all know that, that uncertainty um, can raise anxiety, uh, and, and uh, certainly um, it was always an interesting experience. But one night, uh, I remember clearly um, praying and asking that God would, um, would, would use me, would, would, would guide me, that I would be of service uh, at that particular time in that particular place. And uh, that, that prayer was certainly answered, but in numerous ways uh, and on numerous occasions. But one, I received a call uh, and it was from a woman whose uh, father was in the hospital, and she asked if I would go and say last rites for her father. And, and I tried to handle that pastorally because um, the, this is not good, but one of the first things in my mind is Monty Python, you know, bring out your dead, bring out your dead. And the guy's like, I'm not dead yet, I'm feeling much better. And, you know, whack, they whack him and they throw him. I said, you know, let me go and see how your dad's doing. Um, let me... Uh, I, uh, I, I listened to her, I said, you know, let me, I said, as soon as we hang up, I'll, I'll go and I'll visit with your father and I'll, and I'll pray with your father and I'll, and I'll call you after I've visited with him uh, to let you know um, how he's doing. And, and just in, in this entire hospital was actually someone um, that I had met. Um, and so I, I went to visit with him. And as I say, what you don't want to presume to know more than you uh, more than you know, but I, but I went into his room to visit him, and it was nighttime, and just that one, you've 
If you've ever been in the hospital, you know what it looks like at night, and it's just that one sort of night light um, over the bed is the only light in the room. And uh, the gentleman that I mentioned was on a ventilator, and so you know, obviously not able um, to speak. And I, and I went in and I said hello and um, began to pray for him, began to pray um, silently for him and, and began to pray uh, aloud for him. And um, as I prayed for him, one of the things which uh, uh, often happens, and, and, and we're not proud of this, but there it is, I, I was certainly thinking about him and praying for him, but I also began to think about myself like, Lord, um, you know I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, should I, how long should I stay? Should I, uh, I, I Lord, I, I really, I need you. Um, I, I always need you, but you're more than aware that I, that I need you in this moment. And, and help me know. I mean, I, I don't want to leave and have him wish that I had stayed, and I don't want to stay and have him wish um, that I had left um, already. Um, I, I, don't, uh, I don't know what to do. Uh, I don't know what to pray. Uh, I, I need you, and I pray for your presence, and I pray for your guidance. And shortly after, uh, almost immediately after I prayed that prayer, he reached out and he took my hand um, and held my hand. And it was one of those uh, powerful moments of, of God clearly, unmistakably answering prayer and, and letting me know of his goodness, his graciousness, his presence. I mean, that, that's not something that he reveals uh, without frequency, but, but it was so immediate, um, that assurance that he was with me, that he was with us, um, that he responded um, to those prayers. And we continued on as we had done before, praying aloud some, praying um, silently some, and after a while began to have that um, uncertainty once again. Lord, um, I, once again, you, you know the deal. Um, I, I need you. I can't do any of this without you. Please help me know uh, when I should leave, uh, how long uh, I should stay. And shortly after um, that prayer that I prayed, uh, not at my prompting, the, the gentleman with whom I was praying uh, reached uh, his other hand up, uh, the one that was not holding mine, and he went like this. <laughs> Bye-bye. Um, and it was, it was one of those uh, awesome moments. So I was like, you know what? I mean, genuinely, it was kind of, as I say, it's funny. Uh, it was funny then. It's, it's funny now. But it was also like one of those powerful reminders. You know, Lord, you're real. Um, you, you do um, hear us. You are with us. You do want us to know of your power and your love and your grace um, and um, you're present. You, you do indeed, uh, as Paul writes here, you help us um, in our weakness. When we don't know what to pray for us, we ought, your spirit uh, intercedes for us, um, and you search um, our hearts, uh, that we have uh, security. We know that you are alive and that you are at work. And so the first thing that I hope to communicate to you this morning is the truth of these words, that God does indeed um, come to us uh, in our weakness. That's the beginning place, the acknowledgement um, of our need, the acknowledgement that we are people who need to be delivered, the acknowledgement that we need God to intercede um, on our behalf. And then Paul goes on to talk about how powerfully, how amazingly God does um, indeed intercede um, for you or for me, for you and for me. And, and that intercession uh, is based on the character of God rather um, than yours and my worthiness, uh, rather than yours and my success. The, the, the certainty and the hope and the security that we have comes from God um, who intercedes on our behalf and who is working his great uh, and his glorious um, purposes. 
And we go on and we hear these words. Uh, not only does he, does he search um, our hearts, um, and we know that for those who love God, this is 828, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called um, according to his purpose. And, and what Paul is saying here is not that all things are good. Um, all things uh, aren't good. All situations um, aren't good. And yet what it is saying to you and to me is that there's no situation beyond God's ability to redeem. There's no situation beyond God's ability um, to work in with his power and with his, and with his grace. Uh, not all things are good, um, but God is able to bring good um, out of any situation. We, we're not called to rejoice um, in everything, but we are called to rejoice in every situation, knowing the power and the grace uh, and the intervention uh, of God, that God um, gives to you and to me a security, uh, a security which is born um, out of his um, activity. There's a, 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 I want to share with you a, a quote, uh, a gentleman by the name of C.H. Dodd writing uh, on Paul's letter to the Romans uh, speaks to this, I think, in a way which is uh, succinct, which is powerful. And he talks about um, being uh, you and me being the object of God's grace, you and me being the object of God's grace. And, and he writes this, and he says, a man, and of course, man, woman, it, uh, all of us, a man who is the object of grace, when he looks back upon himself, feels more and more that he has become what he is by no act or activity of his own. That grace came to him without his own will or power, that it took hold of him, drove him, led him on, even his most intimate, his freest acts of decision and assent came to him without losing their quality of freedom as something that he experienced rather than did. We begin um, with our weakness, with the necessity for God's um, intercession, and we hear of how God graciously intercedes on behalf uh, of you and me and that our security um, is based on his proactive work um, for you and for me. And Paul goes on to this, and, it's, and basically Paul uh, bursts uh, into a song of praise. Uh, it's a song of praise, which uh, he, he can't help himself. It, it, it wells up within him, uh, as Paul says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect. It is God who justifies who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. We're told that the intercession of God isn't something accidental, and it's not based upon yours and my merits. It, it, it comes from God, and that's why it's something which is profoundly and completely secure because it's not based on you and me. It's based on God's proactive grace. It's based on God seeking us. It's based on God um, desiring um, to deliver us and doing so fully and finally and unmistakably in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, the condemnation that would rightly fall upon you and me, the judgment that would rightly fall upon you and me, um, God assumes himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul says, who is to condemn? God had every right to condemn us, and he did not. 
Um, so who, who, is, who is to condemn? Who is to take away um, our security? And of course, he goes on and begins to list different things. Uh, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. No, Paul says. And, and all these things we're more than conquerors. There, there, there's, there's a joy to it. There's almost a, a, a comedy to it. Uh, we've, we've received better than we can begin to deserve. How phenomenal and how wonderful. If you'll forgive me, I, I want to share a final story with you, and it's, uh, it's one I've shared before, but if, as I've reflected on these verses, it's, it's one which so um, powerfully, uh, I think, illustrates this in in regard to our lives, and it's something which brought it home so clearly and unmistakably um, to me during my, well, not during my, at at the very end of my senior year in college at the Citadel, uh, I guess it was about a week before graduation, uh, some friends of mine and I came up with a really bad idea, and those tend to come to you right before graduation. Um, And and long and short, uh, it's not important what we did. Uh, I don't want to bore you with the details, um, but we received the maximum penalty um, at the Citadel, which was 60 demerits, 120 tours. And and, and I know that's all uh, Greek, but what a tour is is an hour marching on the quad with your rifle. So I received 120 of those, and the maximum number of tours uh, you could walk in a week was 12. Um, so, so you do the math. We had a week to graduation. I had 120 tours. Um, things were not going to work out well for me, and, and I called my father, uh, and I called my father and uh, just sort of tried to sort of quietly share they, they might want to revisit their travel plans, uh, and I asked him if he would intercede with mom on my behalf um, and, and just let her know I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. And um, so there was my sixth situation. There was my predicament, um, uh, the futility of my decisions, uh, uh, the bondage, the need for uh, intercession. Uh, I was in a, in a place of, of hopelessness. And we, the week went on, and uh, the, to keep us busy during the last week, you have parades. You have a parade for this. You have a parade for that. You pass in review. Um, you know, they, they, it, I wish they had done that sooner um, for me and my friend, but um, it came a little too late, that intervention. And we were in a process of transition at the Citadel, and we were uh, getting a new, um, uh, a new president. Uh, General Grimsley was retiring, and uh, General Watts was assuming the position of president of the Citadel, and we had a gathering, we had a, we had a parade, um, and then we had a gathering after that. I can remember sitting in the field house, and you might imagine the, the despair and despondency in which I, uh, I found myself, and General Watts stepped to the podium, uh, and he stepped to the podium, and as he spoke to us, he, he said, gentlemen, as my first official act as president of the Citadel, I grant amnesty. And before I had ever walked the first tour, um, they were wiped away. They were completely wiped away. My slate um, was clean. I was uh, absolutely guilty. I had no hope. There was no way I could work my way um, out of this. There's no way I could deliver myself from this. All I could do was accept this. And and in a moment, in an instant, um, all of that uh, was wiped away, and uh, I, I burst uh, up from my seat and began to applaud um, General, uh, General Watts. He's a great man, um, General Watts, a very fine um, Christian, a very fine Christian man. And I, and, and I share that with you because that's what Paul's talking about. 
the phenomenal intercession of God in Jesus Christ on yours and my behalf that should bring us joy, uh, that should bring us freedom, that should bring us certainty. What, what, God, what God is not saying is that you won't have suffering. Uh, he's clear repeatedly, um, in this world you will have trouble, Jesus says, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. We will have suffering. The, the presence of God in our lives does not mean the absence of suffering and struggle and trial, but what it means is that the final reality and the abiding reality for you and for me is one of joy and is one of certainty, that nothing can separate us from the love and the grace of God which is made available to us in Jesus Christ our Lord that yours and my security rests um, in God's grace. That's why Paul is able, with joy and certainty, to face all the different things which he faced in his life with a sense of joy, with a sense of certainty. He goes on, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, and the words in the original language when Paul says, I'm sure it's, it's a certainty which is based on experience. Paul's not speaking simply words of hope. He's speaking words of certainty that he knows from experience. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor depth nor height nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. My prayer for you, my prayer for me is that you will dwell on uh, and that we will dwell in Um, these words of truth, which is to say to dwell um, in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, knowing that God proactively seeks us uh, and that not only does he intercede on our behalf in our prayers when we don't know what to say through the power of the Holy Spirit, but we have the Lord Jesus Christ who through his cross and through his resurrection uh, assumed on, took for you and for me all the judgment that should have fallen upon us rightly and has promised that he has delivered us that it is wiped clean, that nothing, nothing the enemy can accuse us of, nothing that the enemy can throw at us, nothing can separate us uh, because of his love and his power and his grace, which is made available to you and to me. And I pray that not only will you dwell in that, will you dwell on that, but that the truth and the certainty of that would um, take hold uh, of your hearts and your lives in such a way that even when things aren't clear, even Uh, when uh, there's so much uncertainty that you know that there's an ultimate certainty and security. And it has been won for us through Jesus. Uh, It is the love of God that we cannot be separated from uh, that is the source of our strength um, and our security, that is the end uh, of our futility, uh, that is um, the resting place, uh, the abiding place which we long for. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have indeed interceded on our behalf uh, through the final saving work of Jesus, your Son, through his cross and through his resurrection, and that uh, you promised to us in Jesus, your Son, that uh, that you have chosen us and that you will not leave us, but that indeed you will send your Holy Spirit um, to intercede for us, to be our advocate and our comfort and our strength. Draw us to you, I pray, uh, and all of our anxieties and all of our worries about um, futility and all of our uncertainties. By the work of your Spirit, draw us to you and intercede um, on our behalf and place ever before us the hope and the certainty and the security which we have and your love 
not just spoken to us, but made known to us in Jesus, your son, and that would so fill us and so guide us in our lives that we might serve you with joy and with freedom and that your name would be glorified. All this we ask and ourselves we offer in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.